Welcome to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I'm Chef West Step, and I'll be your host for Outer Banks Raw, a brand new podcast coming from the Outer Banks. We're going to be talking about food, fitness, lifestyle, you name it, that Outer Banks state of mind that y'all love so much. You want to plug in? Tune in here. This podcast is brought to you by NC Coast Grill and Bar in Duck, North Carolina. NC Coast Grill and Bar celebrates the flavors of the coastal south while bringing in cross-cultural and global influences to the Outer Banks. Hey, this is Chef Westep, and welcome back to the next episode of Outer Banks Raw. One thing that we wanted to go back on today in this episode is sort of our whole wellness series we've been doing. We touched on physical trainers. We touched on nutrition. We had Dr. Bowen in here talking about holistic health and her approach to medicines and different things like that. And today, I'm kind of really excited because I've just recently heard about this whole profession and we have somebody that was doing it before it was cool even and it's life coaching. Beth, introduce yourself, please. (laughs) Hey, Wes, I'm glad to be here. My name is Beth Story. Like Wes said, I've been a life coach now for 25 years and yes, it was before it became kind of wildly popular. Of course, it started on the West Coast as all things do. And I'm also a writer and I'm publisher at Outer Banks This Week. We are with Outer Banks This Week at both of my restaurants and we We appreciate their services down here. So life coaching, I want to hear about it. Okay, so we talk about the Outer Banks on this podcast a lot, and I'm big into wellness. I'm big into physical fitness and all of that stuff. But one thing that we haven't talked about as much is the mental side of it, which really is a center. Yes. So talk to me. Tell me what you do. Yeah. Okay, so life coaching is basically for people who are ready to take charge of their life, right. you know, ready to quit blaming other people, ready to understand that what is happening in their life, both physically and mentally yes. and emotionally, is within their purview, is within their control, that it's not happening to them. Just as you would say, you're not out of shape because someone's keeping you from working out. Right. You're out of shape because you haven't quite found the place where you're doing it all the time, right? right. Or you're eating the right foods or whatever. Exactly the same thing with your emotional health is that if you wait around for other people or other situations to change, you're waiting until you die. Basically, you run out of time. So you got to take action. You have to take action and you have to understand. You have to have tools to understand what's going on in your world. You know, so many people, me to be included in this, okay, they really think that we should innately know how to handle this big thing we call life. And so we stumble along. I forgot exactly, you probably know exactly who said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Absolutely. You know, that's been my mantra for many parts of my life, as well as it can be for today, you know what I mean? Because we get caught into whatever we're doing. And we lose our balance. And we lose our balance, you know. That's one of the big things I always tell people. It's like when it comes to wellness and everything, it's like a three-legged stool. You know, there is my physical part Mm -hmm. that I can't let go. Mm -hmm. And there is my spiritual part. Mm -hmm. And then there's my mental part. And if I don't have a little, if I'm not like applying myself in all three areas, I wonder why I'm off balance. It's really true. And there's a way that so often we think about that of having to apply ourselves. Right. But one thing, an angle that I always like in coaching is that we get to apply ourselves. Yes. My favorite quote of anything is Marianne Williamson's, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Right. I read that every day. I literally have it written around my desk at the office because I love that quote. You know, Because right. basically what it's saying is that we have within us this profound ability 
ability to have all three of those legs firing at the same time. We as human beings often don't have that. And so coaching, just like you're coaching for the physical, coaching is to remind people the strength they have, or maybe to refine a strength they have. Because I think we're all born with that resilience, with right. that joy de vivre, right? You know, yeah. And then somehow along the way, we lose it, or we misplace it, or it gets covered up with adult responsibilities. And But yeah, I don't think you can be completely whole unless all three of those are firing. I agree with you. And often we get really stuck in one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we overcompensate in one because it comes natural. It's easy, you know. Yeah, it's we're confident like, in that area. But then we wonder, why have we stopped? Why is the ceiling so low? Right. And then this life coaching thing, what I really, when Celeste goes, oh, we need to, you know, get Beth in here. She's a life coach. Right. I love the idea because I know for me personally, I can get lost in like the big picture. Right. It's like, oh my goodness gracious, I should be here by now. I shouldn't be worrying. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What's wrong with me? Right. I really need that to be able to touch somebody in my life that I feel close to and that I respect. Right. And they remind me about the details. Yes. It's like, well, what did you do today? Right. Oh, well, heck, I sat around and worried all day about tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. You know? And worrying is like spilled milk. It spoils. Right. You know, it spoils the experience. It, yeah. It's like something that it only brings you more worry. That's a concept here is that Things that you concentrate on, the thought patterns you have all the time, you're going to create. Yes. Right? I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you, and you are so wonderfully physically fit, you know? <laughs> and it's like, so clearly you have a very positive thought process around your body, around your physical health. Right. Because otherwise, you wouldn't manifest what you're what you're manifesting right now, right? It right? also helps my mental health. Yes, I it mean, does. I mean, you know, I, I'm not like a crazy worker out or I'm not trying to lift weights that I should be, you know, and all that other stuff. When I go into the gym and do my routine, mm-hmm. I'm in this routine, you know, I'm in there for like 35 or 40 minutes, but it's sort of like my time. My phone right. is off. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's almost meditation. Yes. Because if I really do it right, I'm putting my head into what I'm actually working out. But I feel better afterwards. Right. Not that I feel better. I am better. Right. Right. And that's what is so important. Now, for example, the guy I train with, he's sort of my physical sponsor, if you want to call it, or life coach. Right. Because he knows more than I do about it. Right. And he holds me to task. Right, right. Even though I want to go left, he's like, no, stay where you're at. You Absolutely, know I mean? yes. Yeah, years ago, I started working out with Dr. Gene Flynn. I'm yeah. sure you know him. Oh, yeah. And spent many, many years getting super healthy with him and going to Olympic weightlifting competitions and having such a good time and pressing beyond my comfort zone, you know. But what I always remember and appreciate about Gene is that the very first time I showed up at his gym, he didn't ask me to go pick up that bar and put 40, 50, 60 pounds over my head. Right. You know, we started building, building, building. Building, building, building. And that's the exact same thing I do with coaching. Right. You know, is that you can't dive into the deep end of the pool if you're just beginning to learn how to swim. And we like to think, like you said a minute ago, that we're born with these skills to understand how we do life well. But all we have to do is look around us and see that either we've forgotten those skills or things have gotten really in the way. And so what I say about all my clients, I remind them that they are inherently creative, whole, and wholesome, right? And that when they can come at it from that point of view, then taking those baby action steps is much easier than having this barrage of negativity on top of them and then trying to find an emotional way out, right? right? And so 
I start with baby steps and we do we do exercises such as a front row exercise. And right. what that means is is that okay, you're living your life, right? You're yeah. you're on your own stage and the audience is out there filled with whomever, right? right? And you're looking to them for approval, they're looking at you with judgment perhaps, right? right? And so who's in your front row? Who is front and center in that front row? And so often in the early days of coaching, people look out there and and it's a very negative figure who right. they are having to, should have to, ought to, like you were saying a minute ago, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. That's not the place that motivates us. And so we begin with exercises like that. There's also an incredible values exercise I do. And when we start talking about values, and people are like, oh, peace, love, and motherhood. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that. You can't attach emotionally onto that level of value. You have to go really deep into what is actually your value backbone. Right. You know, and, and not um, the values you want to acclaim or say, I, this is this is all my values. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. You know, my values are Wame. Native American healer, wolf, and wild horse. Right. And it's like, what in the heck does that mean? But I know exactly what that means. Right. And it, like, you know, why? I have no idea what that means, but. You want me to explain it? Sure, go for I mean, it. I, I <laughs> What's actually, the wolf part? I like the wolf. I know, me too. That's my absolute <laughs> favorite animal. The wolf is my instinctual place, my right. place where I keep my nose to the ground, where I'm totally willing to bare my teeth to protect my family, but where I'm also very much in nature and I understand the comings and goings of the seasons and I adapt. And how did I get to that one? It was through a whole chain of values that then kind of clumped into smaller ones. And so that one was wolf. And then wild horse is, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not a petite lady, but wild horse is my strong physical nature. The fact that I can put 120 pounds over my head and and run down the beach and have that stamina and that physical place. I actually really love my Amazon nature, you know, and so it's that power place for me. And then Wame is the healer. In my belief system, I think I've been a healer in many, many lifetimes. And it's the one who understands how to do what I'm doing coaching, that it really is a God-given gift. You know, however you determine God, it is what I came here to do, you know, and so it's the centering place. And so on my wall in my office, I have pictures that represent all this. So on a daily basis, I think about, wow, I was really in wild horse mode today. Or if something's really bugging me, it's like, oh, that stepped on my mama wolf place or, you know, whatever. So I strive to work with my clients to help give them tools so that they can go, God, I'm out of sorts. What's going on? And or I am powerful beyond measure. And I can go create what I want to create in this world because we don't have that long. Right. Right. We don't. (laughs) Right. And now life coaching, it's probably one of those things I think everyone could use a life coach. I have a life coach. Yes. That I work with every week. I have a life coach that I've worked with for years, actually. And it is that stepping stone, you know, that place where you can touch is your touchstone is what I actually say, where you can go back to and that person will be absolutely honest with you, you know, and go, well, I hear what you're saying, but what about this perspective? Because all of life is perspective, right? Yes, it is. I mean, you and I are sitting here, two relatively successful people, right? Right. We have different perspectives on things, I'm sure. Right. You know? And so we get really sometimes lost into the idea that our perspective is the perspective. Yes. <laughs> Rather than it's one of a billion perspectives. It's you know? one of a billion perspectives. That's what a coach, a good coach does, I think, is to remind you that, well, yeah, there's a perspective. And if it works for you, keep it. Right. If it doesn't work for you, how about shifting it? 
right? Sometimes a life coach. For me, it's like a sponsor, okay? Yeah. So I've yeah. got like a sponsor because I've been in recovery. So oh, I've wonderful. done this for a long time. It's not something that I talk about all the time. Yeah. But for me, it's been a, it's a, it's a life changer, you know yes. what I mean? And being able to call them, talk to them, voice whatever the problem is du jour. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I've been sober now for 24 years. Wow. So I haven't had any drinking problems right. in quite a while. Right. But... I still have all the sorts of life problems, and I'm still stuck with the same brain. You right. know what I mean? And I call it stupid human tricks. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. That person helps me so much to break that tether yes. of me and old ideas. Right. You know what I mean? In that, okay, Wes, you should be able to do this. You got this. You know yes. what I mean? Why don't I feel like I don't got it? Right. Because you've just forgotten that you actually have it. And, and then and you forget- operate out of that place of, I don't know. And, you know, that's I need to know sometimes just what the next step is. You know yes. what I mean? It's like what the next move is. Just so simple. Yes. It's just show up for work. Yeah. Just don't worry about all that other stuff. Just show up. Yeah, just the next good step. The not next the, right the next thing. million steps, right? right? Exactly. So so often, I mean, it becomes a joke with almost every one of my clients. But in the early days of coaching, I'll ask a question and they'll go, I don't know. It's like, yes, you do know. Right. You've just not necessarily paused thought about it to put words to it, but you do know. And it's a critical understanding that I want you to start having immediately, client, is that you do know. And you might need to help be reminded of it, but that place where you can accept yourself, too, that I am resourceful, I'm whole, this certain behavioral thing didn't work for me, but it doesn't mean that my whole humanness is lost, right? Right. Or that my whole value or worth is lost. It means that that specific thing didn't work or portions of it didn't work, right? And so, all right, let's look at it. What didn't work? You know, have you read The Four Agreements? I have briefly read it. Don Miguel Ruiz. Not in depth. Go ahead. I spent a week with that guy. It was amazing. Right. (laughs) So in the very beginning of that book, you remember how he talks about Matote? It's the water we're born into, basically, in our society, in our family, in our culture, where girls wear pink when they're born, boys wear blue, right. boys aren't supposed to cry, girls, you know, go ahead, you know, like all the conditioning that right. we're given as human beings. And in society. Your matote is different from mine because your family was different from mine, right. although we would share matote having grown up in this society, and even more specifically, an Outer bank society too, right, right. which would be different than a Charlotte society. And so so often we can look at, wow, that belief system is based on a matote that I just totally accepted that maybe works for me and maybe it doesn't, such as life is hard and then you die. Right. Nothing comes easy without pain, right? No pain, no gain. Right. Wow. And they get so embedded into us that we often don't even think about what they actually mean and what they actually vibrationally mean in our bodies and our psyches. Right. Right. I see everything in vibration. I really do. Physical, emotional, I see it all in vibrational. So basically, we strap that on at birth. Yeah. And we've been carrying that rock and we continue to carry that rock even when we feel completely weighted down and we don't even recognize it as a rock. Absolutely. And I and love so it that you need somebody else to point it out. Yes. To say, hey, yeah. look, why don't you drop the damn rock? Exactly. It's so but, funny that you use that because I often use the metaphor of that, wow, you're wearing a backpack and yeah. how many rocks do you have in that backpack? Right. What if we took that one out? You know, you don't have to take all of them out today, but what if you took that one out that's really getting you today, Right. put it down, lift your feet up a little bit. So you've been doing this for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. So have you had clients from the beginning? 
Have like, you seen an increase in the last five years or six years oh, where yeah. people know more about it? People are, especially in, you say this came from the West Coast, yeah. which is a lot of things All groovy come, things do. All groovy <laughs> things come from the West Coast, which probably came from Europe before then, but who the hell knows? But anyway, it's like now that, you know, in the metropolitan areas, I'm sure there's a lot of this stuff going on because they've got a whole different set of parameters that right. that add to their psyche, right. you know, you and pressures yeah. and everything. And that's why they love to come to the Outer Banks. Right. I meet a lot of people at, at the restaurants who decided, especially after COVID, to relocate on the Outer Banks yes. because they love the Outer Banks. They come down here on vacation, which, right. you know, when you're on vacation, you give yourself permission to permission. de-stress permission a little bit. is such a great word. You know? Yeah. And I always, in the back of my mind, remember something that someone told me once, and that is... No matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, I love that expression. And it's like me and you could move to whatever our favorite vacation spot is. And you still take your head. By God, in a couple weeks, we realize, hell, we're here. Exactly. You know, doesn't that also work out with with relationships? You know, I, I deal with a fair number of couples. And unless they're just truly not compatible at all, in which case... There's something to look at. Why were you together to begin with? Wherever you go, there you are, is going to happen in another relationship, too. And so why not figure it out now? Why not let down the defenses and figure it out now, you know? But, yeah, you said something a second ago that I want to go back to. Oh, yeah. So has it increased? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was telling Celeste earlier, and you too, that I've spent the last couple of days in tax land, you know, which is my least favorite land. but. Also, I have a belief system around that, that I'm not good at it, and it's just not true. I actually am okay at it. But I was noting that between 21 and 22, my client base almost doubled. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I think that COVID was kind of a gift in that way in some ways, you know, because on both sides of the fence, it brought up really hard stuff for many, many people. Yes. But it also forced some people to slow down to confront themselves because they were in their houses. Right. And, and it's like, who am I? What's the term you use? Something of desperation? Uh, the gift of desperation. The gift of desperation. And I love that pairing, the gift of desperation, because I also think about that in the gift of grief right. or the gift of anger, weirdly enough, because anytime we have these big emotions, there is so much knowledge there for us to look at. Oh, I know. And we can take that opportunity. It's like we were saying in the very beginning of this podcast, you know, there's there's this idea of I have to do it, and there's this idea of I get to do it. Right. And in this lifetime, you clearly are discovering this. It's like there is potential and there's potential and there's potential. Right. And we get to push it as far as we want to. Of course, not all of our lives, thank God, generally are filled with turbulence all the time. I mean, you know, sometimes it's more than others. But for me, I found, okay, by doing this, it was very alien for me to call somebody. Yeah. Okay. They talk about it where I've got introduced to it as like the thousand pound phone. Uh It's like nobody wants to pick up the phone. You know what I mean? That's a good description. And one thing that the guy that I worked with, my sponsor would tell me all the time is call me. Matter of fact, he made me call him for like two weeks every day. And I said, I ain't got, I don't want nothing to talk to you about every (laughs) day for two weeks. It's like, you know, I don't want to become buddies or nothing. (laughs) I mean, I was already, I always had, you know, contempt prior to investigation. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to jump into the deep end of the pool. You know, it's the only thing I ever did moderately in my life was try to get better. If you just said, hey, Wes, let's jump into the deep end of the pool and get in a lot of trouble. I'd be like, yeah, I'm first in. But uh, he'd say, that's a terrible idea. When are we doing it? (laughs) He'd say, call me during the good times. He goes, call me just just about every day for about two weeks. 
he said, if you get yourself into a routine that you can call me during the good times, you're going to pick up the phone and call me when things get rough. Absolutely. And he was exactly right. Yes. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't so hard for me yeah. to wait. So you were talking about your life coaching and that you generally ask people to give you like a three-month commitment. I do. Yeah. Right. So in the beginning, it's often a big deal for someone to pick up the phone and call me and say, you know, same thing. You yeah. know, they don't know quite what to expect. They realize they've reached a <laughs> a gift of desperation where even if they're not desperate, they know that they know some, they need help, but they don't know what it looks like. Right. Or what it's going to feel like. Right. You know, they're really afraid of diving into that deep end and not knowing how to swim. You right. Know? And, and so they got to start to understand that I'm a damn strong swimmer, you know, and right. I'm not going to let go of the side of the pool and you'll be okay right. wherever you are in that pool. Right. So they have to learn that. And, and that takes some time. So there's the trust factor that builds up, just getting to know each other factor, but there's also just all the emotional space that often is unbalancedly upfront when you decide, I got to do something, right. right? You are focusing on all this stuff that isn't going well in your life versus what your guy so wisely said. When you're focusing on what's going well in your life, right. that begins to shift your vibration. Because right. so many people focus on what's not going well in their life, right? Of course. It's that old parable, which wolf are you feeding? Right? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I love I that love one. that one. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And that makes instant sense to people. It's like, yeah, I'm feeding that wolf of, I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, they don't like, I don't like, rather right. than, wow, isn't this life an incredible thing with all its challenges, with all its whatevers? And what is my purpose in this life? Surely it has to be to be joyful. Right. It can't be to be miserable, right? I yeah. mean, in what world would that be the right way for people to live? And yet, so many people walk around like that. You know? Oh, yeah. Even if on the surface they're like ready to go, underneath they're miserable. Right. You know, for me, the whole thing about the recovery thing, you know, I hated that whole thing about an alcoholic and, and, you know, I just was like, I thought it was like somebody had put that on me. If there was some higher power or something, he didn't like me because, you know, he made me suffer from this because I actually love to do it. You know right. what I mean? It's like, right. that's when I felt free yeah. was after I had so many drinks. You yeah. know what I mean? Unfortunately, all the other side effects came into play. You right. know, oh, you're going to go to jail now. That sucks. And oh, <laughs> this is going to happen. Oh, and you lost that car and that relationship. Yeah, that's shot. But in retrospect or looking in the rearview mirror, oftentimes that's when things come into true focus. It's you know so what true. I mean? That's why we need somebody in the in the passenger seat next to us that's talking to us going, this is just part of it. You know, you'll see it later. It is. But right. if it wouldn't have been for that sort of harsh consequence that I suffered because of the disease, right. then I would have had no real reason to change. Yes. I could have lived my entire life with that old pair of glasses that said, hey, you know what? That guy doesn't like me. She doesn't like me. And in reality, neither of them even know who the hell I am. Exactly. But it's all in my mind. Exactly. My life coach, sponsor, whatever, he told me once he was talking to me about the ego, which I thought it meant one thing. He, You know, I thought it meant, you know, okay, you either think you're the best thing since sliced white bread. You know what I mean? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> which but, is actually horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, but the next minute it can tell you that you're responsible for the earthquake in China and that you've done nothing with your life and look how you've not helping anybody. And, you know, you're really worthless. And he said to me, he goes, I'll never forget. He looked at me. He goes, he goes really was. He goes, it's those voices inside of your head that tell you truthful sounding lies. <laughs> right. And I was sitting there and I was like, and you're buying that stuff all the time. Yeah. You know. Right. But he gave me a bunch of concrete actions to take. Yeah. And to me, they looked ridiculous. Yeah. 
petty. This is not going to change anything. Are you serious? It can't be like this one, two, three simple. Yeah, and it has nothing to so do called. with my problem. Right. It's like a totally different direction. It's right. like got nothing to do with it. Right. And, you know, and he would say, hey, Les, you've done it on your own till now. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. How's that, that working for you? So how's that working? You know, <laughs> yeah. which is like, oh, God. Yeah, it's it's not, not that bad, is it? But it was that bad. It was that you bad, know? yeah. So begrudgingly, I truly think that, and you you tell me what you think. For me, it's not that I learned how to be sober and all of that stuff. Basically, by taking these actions that were suggested to me, nobody can tell me what to do. That's one mm-hmm, big thing. If you mm-hmm. tell me what to do, then I'm going to probably do the opposite. Then it's not yours that right. someone's telling you what to do. By following some of these suggestions, begrudgingly, not all at once, a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. I unlearned Yes. I unlearned. Right. You know what I mean? I learned that taking this little couple actions over here, which had nothing to do with what I really wanted to tackle. Yeah. All of a sudden, this wasn't even a problem anymore. Yeah, right. It, it right. just, I never fixed it. It just kind of disappeared. Right. The emphasis wasn't over there. Yeah. The emphasis it, was somewhere else. It and, was gone. Right. You right. know, and the thing about, you know, what you're talking about, gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, let's try to focus on some of the things that are going right. Mm-hmm. And like you said before, too, it's often that place of desperation or deep, profound emotion where people begin to make a shift, I think. And for me, it was the loss of our son. You know, it's like when that happened, when that sort of major life event happens. Right. Again, our Matote teaches us time to fold up your tent and go away. You know, and there's every invitation to do that. You had that too. Yes. Boy, this life isn't going well at all. I'm confronted with things I don't have any desire to deal with. Or very little desire. Right. Not capable, don't wanna, don't have the strength. And there was that interestingly, and sometimes it's not hard to talk about it. It's like, but people always think, well, my gosh, how can you possibly get anything positive out of that sort of a situation? Losing a child. Right. Coming nose to nose with the fact that you're drunk, you know, whatever. And I think often that is the switching point for us, though, because we it go— It can be. It can be, and it can be where people fold their tents up and, and quit living, yeah. right, for sure, and continue on with whatever is going to kill them. Right. Right. Grief can kill you. Yes. Drinking can kill us, right? But all those situations also have the capability of equal and opposite reaction, right? right. You know, and so if you are deeply into grief, the deeper the well, the higher the sky, or right. you know, where you have— if you allow yourself to, you have the emotional wherewithal to go way beyond what you were before because there is that life lesson that profoundly distributes our vibration. I right. think. And again, I go back to vibration. I you know, that might be crazy to some people, but I really do. You know, I see us as these vibrating beings and that's our energy. Yes. And we do things like drinking too much or Anything that we would see as a negative action that we know is a negative action, and right. it, and it puts a divot or a dent or opens a hole in that energetic force, right? And at the same time, we can go through events that are so powerful that you can just see that force just pulsing bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And right. I think that is often why people who have been through cancer or have been through death of someone dear or or a life-changing— Loss of a business. I mean, it can be anything. Everybody's different. anything that disrupts who we think we are and how we deal with the world. Right. It expands us. It can expand us. So who's reaching out to you? 
now? Or have you seen it? Like, is it, you said couples? I have couples. I have, you know, through the years here on the Outer Banks, I've had a lot of like young people, like high school, early college. Right. I love working with that group because yep. when they can learn at that stage that they're creating their lives, right. not their parents, not their teachers, not anyone who pisses them off, that they're creating their lives, man, then they get to live the rest of it like that, right? Oh yeah. my God, I wish I'd have had that. Uh, me too. But see, I, I grew too. up in that era where you don't talk about anything that's bothering you. Well, you, you and know. me both. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I'm probably older than you. So yeah, yeah I mean, that was <laughs> an entrenched era, and depending on what your family was like too, right? So, you know, right now, let's see, who do I have? I have several clients I've never laid eyes on. <laughs> That's been the truth for me all the way through. I've had many clients I've never met, you know, because most of coaching work is over the phone. Right. I do have some local clients who come in, you know, yeah. but most of it's over the phone. So it's also one of the reasons why coaching has a higher percentage of men as clients than counseling, because Coaching, since it is mostly over the phone, it's kind of more arm's length, and right. a lot of men are more comfortable with that situation, you know? Yeah. But also because, and this is a really important point, I think, because coaching, let's say the first three months, we're dissecting what's going on. Right. right? Then in the time after that, people are like, okay, well, I'm done. I'm fixed. No. Right. You know, the whole point is now you start building that muscle. Right. Now you start building those tools, those those understandings about yourself and how you interact that then pave the road. Right. right? You got to get all the stuff out of the way first, you know? And, and well, I um, know when I, when I first got introduced to all of that stuff, a friend of mine told me, he said, Wes, you only got two tools in your toolbox. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you got two tools in your toolbox. I said, well, what are that? He goes, both of them are hammers. He goes, you know, you're just used to what you did. You know what I mean? You don't talk about it and you just keep exercising self-will Yeah. and you just keep bashing yourself against the same wall. Right. And it takes a while. And I guess that three-month period where you're getting to know them and identifying is basically like an inventory stage, it right? Is. It's like, okay, let's see what the common factor is. It is. We've gone through this different shatterings. Yes. With different faces. Yes. What's the common denominator, yeah. right? <laughs> and guess who it always is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's also the time where they are having a lot of aha moments because we're doing those really cool exercises. There's another one I do called Future Self, which is a guided meditation that is honestly a blow away. I've done it in retreats, you know, with... 40 people laid out because, yeah. you know, you're lying down and, you know, you're in a meditative state. But it's just fantastic information about how you see your life and the things that, is this real or is this something I've made up? Or is right. this a, a rule I'm living by that I can let go of, right? You know, so. The more I keep stuff inside of me and don't talk about it, the realer it becomes. Yeah. And it affects my day-to-day -day world, you know what I mean? And that is the tool of a life coach or someone else is like, you got to have somebody that you can share something to, you, you know what I mean? Is. So they right. can give you a different perspective. When I came down here, I came down the summer of 76 first, just after my freshman year at Chapel Hill, and then came down after I graduated in 79 thinking I would just stay for the summer. Right. But then, because at Chapel Hill, I was a psych major, and I had worked on a lot of crisis lines. Yeah. You know? So I come to the Outer Banks, and it's like, there is nothing. Right. You either don't have a problem, or you keep it to yourself, or maybe you talk to your minister, but you know, a 15-year-old who's contemplating drugs is not going to talk to his or her minister, right? right? Mm -hmm. In most cases. I right. mean, maybe that dynamic has changed now with the personality of the Outer Banks now. But then, in the 70s, you didn't have these problems. There was right. no such thing as spousal abuse here. There was right. no such thing as teen pregnancy. It just simply didn't happen. Of course it happened. But the idea was that, oh, no, 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 that stuff doesn't happen here. And so that's what prompted me to start Hotline, you right. know, is that 
there's got to be an outlet for people to call and be able to say, I have no idea who you are in that circumstance with a peer counselor. You're the starter of Hotline, correct? The, I am. The founder of that? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome work. You know, yeah, that's thanks. action. Yeah, right. 21-year-old naivete, right. thinking, oh, well, I can do whatever I want to do. But, you know, luckily it was a small enough area and there was enough of need here that it took, right? right. You know? And many, you know, many brilliant people have taken it forward too. But yes, my point is that I'm so agreeing with you that there's got to be a place where you realize that there is strength in picking up that phone and saying, Mike, I want to talk about a concept or I need I need some support on this one. Right. I mean, I got a call yesterday from a client who was in, I've worked with her for years. She was in a critically crisis state. And luckily, I know her well enough to know that she has these strengths, that this is a situational thing. Right. In this moment, she's okay. And so we're able to sort of talk it through. But you've got to have that person. And and that's our people. Yeah. Hopefully, we have a group of those people if we're... But no man is an island. Why do these idioms stick? Because they're true. Yeah. If you're trying to soldier through on your own, then you're creating a lot of crazy stuff in your head because it's not seeing the light of day. My role is to help you remember that you have the answers. And again, that could seem trite, but it's really not because like you said, we get into these patterns where we set expectations or we or we just live life based on matote and we aren't right. really thinking it through, right? And probably that's not working too well, you know, right. because probably it involves low self-esteem or behaviors that continuously remind us that we're not doing this the way we're supposed to do it. Right. That person over there is doing it so much better. My God, I wonder if that restaurant is making more money. Or right. my God, I wonder if, I mean, as a stupid example, but I wonder if that coach has more clients than me. It's like, right. what a way of thinking. And yet, stupid human tricks, we get caught into that. Right? Oh, yeah. You know? and oh, my God. Comparisons I and judgments are... I've always tried to keep myself out of that mindset. I've done pretty good in that I'm not worried about what Joe's doing across the road as much as like what I'm trying to achieve over here on West's side of the street. Yeah. So what Joe's doing has never has been that big bother to me, but I see it all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are more concerned with what the neighbors are doing and with the introduction and the explosion of social media. Right. I mean, how prevalent is that? You're looking at people you don't even know where you're not even from around here, and you're comparing your life to their life. Now, that's hard enough for us in our 50s, you know what I mean, to I'm look 6, at. Yeah, oh, my God, you look <laughs> awesome. And uh, that's hard enough, Yeah. But let alone the teenagers and stuff who are growing up, and it's like, you know, little girls who are 9, 10 years old are already getting introduced to all different sorts of things to compare themselves to. Exactly. And isn't it easy for us to look at that 14-year-old girl and see that so clearly that she's taking on personas, she's taking on behaviors that are not hers. And yet, if we are honest and we look around, we'll see 65-year-old people who are doing the same thing still. Oh, yeah. Or 55-year-old people who are— Well, we're doing the exact same thing. We're looking at the 14-year-old going, oh, my God, we need to get her some help because, you know, she's totally in an unrealistic world here. She's comparing herself to supermodels and all different kinds of stuff. And we're also troubled, and we're going, well, we don't need help. We need to be able to figure it out on our own. We're grown adults. We yeah, know what we're, we're grown doing. Adults. It's like, well, I'm a grown adult, too, and I still find incredible value 
from working with my coach every week because it's a centering point. It's a place to come back to. It's a place for her to go, oh, are you sure? You know, right. really? Is that? Or to celebrate, you know, to go, wow, what a fantastic move that was for you. And, you know, way to go. Right. You know, you spent a week without having any alcohol, you know, right. for instance, you know, I yeah. mean, anything where you celebrate rather than denigrate. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, so down here on the Outer Banks, this is a beautiful place. You've been down here since, what, the 70s? Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. And you place. live in Manio, correct? Do, yeah. yeah Manio. It's like the Mayberry of the Outer Banks. It's, it's the so best quaint. place on earth. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a town seat. Yeah. I used to hate Manio. I yeah. got to be honest with you, because back in the day when I was doing my partying and stuff, that was where court was. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? That's where the jail was. <laughs> That's where you had to go pay bills if they cut it off, you know, and it's yes. like you didn't have any money and you had to pay directly. And um, yeah. But anyway, my luckily my opinion on and my feelings about mania have evolved yes. as well as I have as a human being. <laughs> right. And it's a beautiful place to go visit. But the Outer Banks of North Carolina, do you think it's a good place for people to come and try to get a handle on their mental health? I mean, the ocean is a healing, mm-hmm. you know, God why are said. people drawn to it? Because, a lot of people yeah. are drawn to it, but it, it's there is no like secret handshake to any of this stuff, right, is right, there, dear? Right, that's such a great yes. And isn't that funny that we put ourselves in? Well, what you were saying before, wherever you go, there you are. We put ourselves in places that we think will change us, rather than putting ourselves in emotional places that will change us. Yes. Right? I mean, you can go to the most beautiful spot on earth and still be stewing over what so and so said to you yesterday. Right? Oh yeah. And it's like, why waste that time? Yeah, you know, know. Not only does it shift you physically, and you're the example of that. Do you ever read the Abraham Hicks stuff? No. Okay, well, so basically the power of attraction, the law of attraction, right? right? And so they're talking about that the very best way to understand that power of manifesting is physically, because we can shift our bodies much quicker most of the time than we can shift our belief systems, right? right? And what's a belief system? Just something we've thought over and over and over again. Right. You know, it's not the truth. Right. It's just our belief system. But that in two months, I could fundamentally change my body. And the way that would happen the most would be because my thinking on it, my emoting toward it would shift. Right. Because then I wouldn't resist going out and doing the lifting or the running or whatever, right? Right. And I love that because as human beings, I think we so often have to prove things to ourselves, you know, oh, well, that can't be true that you think it into existence. Right. Well, you do think it into existence. You know, Jesus knew it, thought were deed. Right. You know, I mean, I have that up on my wall too. It's like all the great teachers understand that what we perpetually think about is what we create. Right. And so if we're perpetually thinking about negative self stuff or negative out there stuff, that's what we see. To use your term, those are the glasses we look through all the time. Right. Right. So, you know, that connection between mind-body is getting back to Dr. Bowen is absolutely there. It's like if we see ourselves as weak physically, as sick, as whatever, chances are really good that's who you're going to be. That's what you're going to manifest, right? Your life coaching, I loved learning more about it today. And, you know, whether you be on the Outer Banks or you're in Philadelphia or you're in New York or New Jersey or somewhere out in rural country, the human experience will happen. Yes. You know what I mean? That's why we came here. That's the way, you know, <laughs> and just surrounding myself with, with Mother Nature. If I'm lost up here, I need help to say, hey, Wes, take a step out this way or just take a break from that. But the one thing is, is when I do be able to give help, and I'm sure you experience this too, as being a life coach, doesn't it just feel full when you're talking to somebody else? I mean, I know you, you got to make money, you know, so there's there's a charge for everything, but yeah, it's just... I've said to my husband, Michael, 
a thousand times. I hang up the phone almost every time and think, I can't believe I do this for work. I know. Because I hang up the phone with the fullness of heart that I ever feel. And it's like, wow, that conversation was a blow away. And it happens over and over and over, day after day after day. And it's like, well, that's I, pretty good food right there. I you totally know? get it. I, I used to take meetings into prisons. And oh, wow. so when I'd go in, I never wanted to go. Yeah. Okay, because I worked all day. I was tired. It was an hour drive one way. It was this, that, and the other. Nobody really cares there. da 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 do 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 When I left, I always got that feeling. It was like, even when I set myself to go, I'm not going to feel like that. It was like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yes. And I tell you one thing. If you're out there and you're listening, that feeling of being right where you're supposed to be is elusive, to many of us, you know, we always think we should be over there doing this, or we should have been here already, or we should have been there. And it's like, it comes from action. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't think yourself there. You can act yourself there. And next thing you know, I used, they used to tell me all the time, they say, Wes, keep your head where your feet are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just keep your head where your feet are. Yeah. And a life coach or somebody like that, they help me keep my head where my feet right, are. Right, right, right. I understand that. That's really wonderful. And to remind you that what you constantly think is who you are. Right. And so think gratitude. And not Pollyanna, but right, you know, not really, Pollyanna. Not Pollyanna. You know, I mean, come nose to nose with who you are and what you're doing, but also know that if it ain't working, you can change it. Right. And life ain't always gonna be easy. You know what I mean? It's not There's supposed the heart, to be. not supposed to be. Sometimes though I, I can fancy myself going, Why am I bothered? I should be okay all the time. Well, <laughs> that's just not the way it is. That's reserved for the gods. It's <laughs> reserved for the gods. Well, Beth, thank you so much for driving all the way thank up here you. to Duck, North Carolina from Manio, which <laughs> It's a long way when you I live come out up here, here for hair. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, I tell you one thing. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Likewise, you know what? My the rest of my day is going to be better just because of the <laughs> little time we got to share today. So thank I feel you the so same much. Way. Thank I, you. I appreciate having you on. You're welcome. Take thank care. Thank you. Once again, please subscribe to Outer Banks Raw. That's the podcast we got going on down here. Everything about the Outer Banks, all you wanted to know, and more. Anyway, till next time, this is Outer Banks Raw, Chef West Step. Later.